But at one point I was like, why is no one coming to help me? And I was really starting to suffer mentally and emotionally. And I just felt like no one was helping me like you were. But I was like, where are these people who I'm paying and in relationship with to come and help me during this period of time? It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams with the I Heart My Life show. I'm Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your I Heart My Life show host. This is your one-stop shop for all things personal development meets lifestyle. So pull up a seat, get out a pen and a paper and get ready to learn. All right, James, we are here. The baby is sleeping, fingers crossed. (laughs) We're both monitoring the screens. And we want to share the birth story of our incredible daughter, Charlotte London Williams. And before we dive into all the details, which we are going to give you the details, just know that this is our story. There's no right or wrong. It literally is just our story. I chose to have a home birth. I had a pretty easy pregnancy. There were definitely some surprises when it came to the birth. But just know you don't have to take any of this on as your own if you are expecting or planning to have kids in the future, right? Yeah, that's right. I think it can be a sensitive subject. And so we just wanted to share with everyone our story, um, just because there are so many different experiences that people have. And it's it's always interesting to hear that. Um, and we're excited to share because we just want to talk about her all the time. <laughs> you <should laughs> see it. our phones. Upgraded iCloud memory on, on its way because we're running out of space. <laughs> totally. So we'll take it back. So the whole experience started on February 4th. And initially, when I tracked my cycle at the very beginning of getting pregnant, I we expected the due date to be February 5th. But then as we got ultrasounds and got more scans, uh, they predicted it to be February 9th. So going into that weekend, we weren't thinking that she was going to be early. Everyone tells first-time moms expect to be late. My midwife even said, we'll let you go up to 42 weeks, which would be two weeks after the actual due date. So although I actually had multiple visions of Charlotte telling me that she was going to come early, I really wasn't going into that weekend thinking this is going to be it. This is when we're going to meet her. In fact, you and I planned, we went to brunch, we went on a walk in downtown Austin, and it really, like, it wasn't even on our radar that she could come the very next day, right? Nope, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) So when we were at brunch, something happened. I actually lost part of my mucus plug. So again, there's going to be lots of uh, TMI in this episode. We want to give you all the details and didn't even know I had a mucus plug until, you know, a few months before that. It's not something many people talk about, (laughs) but I sent a picture to my midwife and I was like, is that, that what's happening? Is that what this is? And she said, yes. And she again still said, but it could be a while, but it could be a while. And then I sent it to the, I told the doula that that was what had happened. She said, okay, just go and rest. It's going to be a while. And I was like, okay. And so that's what I had in my mind. And we went back home and we just started our evening. I know we had dinner. We started watching something on Netflix. We even started to kind of binge the last few episodes, so to speak, or I should say modules in the birthing course that we were doing. Um, And it was just like a normal evening. Did you suspect anything at that time? Not at all. I I was definitely on board with the it'll take a while. And knowing like you like things to happen quickly, I was also encouraging you to not expect it to be sooner rather than later, because otherwise you'd be thinking about it. And so I was kind of keeping with the midwife's idea that, you know, it could be a while and just take your time and don't worry about it. And yeah, no, I didn't expect. 
And I think you went to bed around 10 PM, if I remember. And I realized before that, actually it was around seven. I did start bleeding a little bit, but again, that can last for days, especially with first time moms. And so again, the texts I kept getting were just lay down, just rest. It's going to be a while. So you went to bed. I ended up staying up. I remember I was texting my friend. She lives in Africa, actually, about six hours ahead of me um, during that time. And I was texting her because I started to feel what felt like menstrual cramps. And I've never been in labor before, so I had no idea what to expect in terms of the pain. But I kept Googling and we'd done some of the the, the videos, the courses to help with this. And I've read the books and it's supposed to kind of feel like menstrual cramps. And so I was texting the midwife, asking her if that's what was happening. Again, she kept telling me it could take a while. <laughs> and I was getting a little bit annoyed with that response at this point already. And it got to be about 1230 in the morning and things started to feel a little bit stronger. And I kept thinking, you know, you, the midwife, the doula kept telling me that it wasn't going to happen, but I had a feeling that things were really starting to happen. So I allowed myself to kind of be in that experience and feel those pains until about 3.30 when I realized I needed to wake you up because I really wanted to get into the bathtub because that felt really soothing to me. And I didn't want, I was so big at that point, I didn't want to accidentally fall or you know hurt myself in the process. So what did you think when I came in and woke you up at 3.30 in the morning? Yeah, you came in and I could just tell immediately. You came in and you were like, I wanted to let you sleep for a little bit because this is it. I think that was, that was kind of your words, um, which is so lovely. Um, and I think I just switched autopilot mode. Right. Okay. It's happening. And so, yeah, it was just auto. I just, uh, I just went straight into, okay, but get the bathtub running, get the top from the garage to keep the bathtub warm in case she wants another bath later. I had it all planned, right? <laughs> Mats on the floor. And it was just going, I still didn't think it'd be happening that day to be honest with you. Um, but I thought it was in, I thought it was in process. Um, yeah. So yeah. It was just, just get going and get you as comfortable as possible. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think the thing that was super interesting about the whole experience was that, you know, we had planned a home birth and that felt really good to me the whole time that we were thinking about delivering, you know, I just kept thinking, where do I want to do it? A hospital didn't feel good. I couldn't find any birth centers that felt good to me just being at home felt very comforting. Um, We didn't know, I didn't know how much I was going to use the tub, but everything that I did was really just instinctual. And I think that's so much of what birth is. And that's what really intrigued me about being unmedicated as well, is just being able to be so in tune with my body and with the baby. And there are definitely pros and cons, which we'll get into in a second. But, you know, from the very beginning of her conception, it has been very much like what is intuitive for us, what feels good, um, especially for me. And it was definitely in that moment, just felt intuitively I needed to get into the bathtub. And so the pain started to get a little bit stronger though. And I started to emotionally and mentally start to struggle a bit. I remember at one point I asked you to just go and get me some 7-Up from 7-Eleven because that's what my mom used to give me when I was feeling sick. <laughs> so you drove and you got four four things of 7-Up. Like four in the morning. Four in the morning, yeah. Four in the morning. So gas, the gas station would be the only thing open. So when I got some spr- bottles of Sprite. And to be fair, I think that was the first time I actually had like a weird request food or drink wise during yeah. the entire pregnancy. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have any weird <laughs> did pretty well. cravings. Yeah. 
So between 4 a.m. and about 7.30, I remember the pain started to intensify. And at one point when, you know, the doula wasn't there yet, the midwife wasn't there yet, you were texting them, you were keeping them updated, which you can tell more about in a second. But at one point I was like, why is no one coming to help me? And I was really starting to suffer mentally and emotionally. And I just felt like no one was helping me like you were, but I was like, where are these people who I'm paying and in relationship with to come and help me during this period of time? So what were your thoughts during that, those moments? Yeah, it was, it was a balance. I think I was trying to understand that without really knowing that this is an intense experience for you and also trying to trust that the midwife and the doula knew what they were doing and I you know as not an expert my job was just to try and keep you as comfortable as possible and keep the midwife and the doula informed and also find out what their genuine thoughts are like when would you be here Um, especially the doula who you know was there for um, emotional support as well and I think they got there at the right time, but I think time was slowing down for you. So what, you know, five minutes felt like an hour. And so my job was just to keep you as calm and comfortable as possible and in trust that people would be there when they, they needed to be there. And then it, it seemed to me like they were there. They got there fairly quick, but I think that you were just, you know, you were experiencing brand new feelings and it's kind of scary, right? And so you were just going through it. Well, I think in my mind, I thought if they're not here yet, they must not think I'm any, I'm I'm close to giving birth to this baby. Mm -hmm. And at that point I had been having contractions since 10. Now this whole process only lasted 18 hours. And so, you know, I had a friend recently tell me that her labor was 63 hours and then she ended up having to have a C-section. So I know in the grand scheme of things, 18 hours is not a long time when it comes to labor, especially for a first time mom. But when you're in the moment, it feels like you said, it feels like forever. And so I thought, okay, they're not coming. So that must mean that they think I'm still days away or that this is really far off because we had the conversations with them many times. We knew at what points it was appropriate for them to come. And so I just, in my head, it just felt really upsetting. Like I'm not getting any closer. But I know eventually, I don't know if you talked her into it, but the doula came around 8.30 and she was really helpful um, in kind of calming me down and helping me know a bit more about how to breathe through the pain. Yeah, I think it helped. I I mean, I think I said at that point, okay, could you come? Um, Because she knows that I'm just wanting to make her feel comfortable. But also when you've got someone who's trained professional and they're there, it's a different level of support. And so it was important for her to come, even if the even if Charlotte wasn't to come that day, I think at that point it was important for the doula to come. So she did. She came and immediately an incredible energy, really calming, but also that kind of experience and medical knowledge was really important. And she was even helping me with, you know, different types of back massage and things that I could do to help you feel comfortable. And, you know, we were all then supporting. And I think that immediately that made you feel more comfortable, didn't it? Yeah, for sure. And she, knew a lot about, like I said, the breathing that I should do, the different um, positions that would be good for me. She also kind of talked me down off the ledge in terms of me wanting drugs and wanting to be taken to the hospital and reminded me that I was strong and also kind of appealed to the logical side of my brain. And she kept telling me, you know, this is what's supposed to happen. It's supposed to feel like this, like your body's doing this for a reason. This is the baby coming down. Like, 
all the things that, you know, didn't make it like hurt any less, but it it made sense to me. And that for whatever reason was helpful. Um, That was really important actually, because pain, when you understand what it is and that it's not hurting you, it's a different experience. It was a different experience when you knew that it was normal. Um, Yeah. Yeah, because I I will admit, you know, and again, I'm sensitive to the fact that there might be new moms or expectant moms listening, but this hurt way more than I could have ever thought or envisioned. And I know everyone tells you that labor hurts, but there's definitely a reason why people get the drugs and the epidural and all of that, because it was the most painful thing I've ever been through. And I think that that just surprised me again. I shouldn't have been a surprise because people talk about how painful it is, but like, it was really painful. And so around 8 30, 9 30, 10 30, I just kept thinking, why is the midwife not here yet? Because again, I know she comes later on in the process, but do I really have like days left to experience this pain? Because it was really, really bad. But the midwife did come around, I think it was around 11 30, if I remember correctly. And when she got there, I remember she came into our bedroom, which is where we were birthing. And I looked at her and I said, this is really hard. (laughs) I'm going to cry now because I was crying in that moment. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I know it's really, really hard. And that's like all I could say to her. Um, And then in the next few minutes, as I was experiencing a a contraction, she reminded me to do the horse lips. Now, (laughs) this was a game changer for me. And it's something that we can now laugh about because it was a big part of our birthing process. But it's essentially the noise that a horse makes. And for whatever reason, it helps with the pain. So it's like, like that. (laughs) And she told me to do that. I remember like it was yesterday, like the second she came in and I was experiencing that contraction, she said, remember your horse lips. And it helped me so much in that process. That was my first sort of memory of her being there. What about you, James? Yeah, you committed to that. Yeah, she was great because what what was good about the process is it's no point in dumbing the process down or, or saying, you know, uh, it's not that bad. You know, she was very honest. But also she's someone who's had multiple children, doulas, someone who's had, was it seven? Kids? Six. Six kids, right? So why would someone do it again and again and again if you couldn't handle it? And so they were great for that. Yeah, And what was great about it, rather than sort of saying it's going to be okay, it won't hurt as much as you think, it was like, this is what it is. And yes, it's going to hurt. And we're here. And this is what's meant to happen. And I think that was great because it was framing for all of us uh, in the room that, you know, everything was normal and that you're amazing and that you're brave and you can handle it. Um, Yeah. And that sometimes it's not a good thing to to say it's going to be it's, it's not going orgasmic to it's not going to be helpful to say that and so yeah even though in that moment emily was probably thinking oh wow i was hoping you, I, I was hoping you would say that it's not going to get worse but in a way i think you appreciated it because it's like okay we've got to hunker down and and that's why you committed to the the horse lips mm-hmm. like very yeah. intently in fact i remember getting the doula to pass me your chapstick your, your chapstick <laughs> because you were so intense with your with the horse lips that your lips kept drying out so I'm, I'm there like I'm either rubbing your back or I'm putting chapstick on your lips yeah. um and you committed to it I mean you really did especially yeah. at the second you'll probably get to this point but at the second half you did a few trips to the bath we moved from the bathtub to the bed and then there was the whole turning the baby with the with the towel yeah, we'll get to that. scenario um yeah framing that for people 
Emily's on all fours on the bed and I'm straddled over the top of her with a towel, you know, cupping her belly and then holding the towel ends like this and doing this little kind of exercise to help encourage the baby to get into the right position. So we were, it was like a, like a gymnastic routine from (laughs) bed to bath to floor to yoga ball. Um, and yeah, you did, you were incredible. You just got on with it and it was, you were reflecting that it was painful and uncomfortable, but you didn't stop. You just kept it going. Um, and you did yeah. great. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I think I said to her, like, in addition to this is really hard, this really hurts <laughs> multiple yeah. times. Um, and so at that point, when she got there, she gave me a few different options. Um, for everyone listening, they do recommend as little checks, vaginal checks as possible, just because, you know, the risk of infection as people are touching you more and more, um, the risk of infection goes up when people are touching you over and over. But I wanted her to check me. She asked me, do you want me to check you and see how far along you are? And I definitely wanted to know. I felt like I needed to have clarity at that point because for my own sanity. So she did check me. And at that point around 1130 or 12, I was two centimeters dilated. And she said that by kind of moving my cervix manually, she would be able to increase that. And so I told her I wanted her to do that. And so she manually did whatever she needed to do. I don't even know all the details, to be honest, and was able to move that with her fingers and her hands. And it went from two centimeters to six centimeters in just a matter of, I mean, a minute max, maybe even seconds. So that was really encouraging, although it was extremely painful. It was really encouraging to be able to be so much more dilated in a small amount of time just by her getting there and doing that manipulation. Do you remember anything about that moment? Yeah. And I think this is where the, both the midwife and the doula did a great job because experiencing you experience that pain, if it wasn't for them, you know, with the calm face and this is normal and everything's okay, I would have been really worried because you were in pain, right? And it's always hard to see someone you love in pain. But they were great because they were calm. And this, this is normal. We're good. And so they're constantly talking us through it. Um, but that was, you know, yeah, that was tough to see you go through. But it, it was it was only while it was happening. As soon as you stopped, you went back to more normal. Yeah. So the next two hours, it was just full on labor. As you said, I fully committed to horse lips. <laughs> I it think when <laughs> it was I didn't know whether I didn't know whether to ever laugh or take a video. So this is pretty serious and she's struggling. So I don't want to take a video, but I kind of it was very intense. It was really <laughs> intense horse lips, but it was obviously working for you because you committed. I mean, you were to the point where I was worried that you would pass out from hyperventilating because you yeah. were so gunning for the horse lips. But it was, you know, I think you. There was a point after that you just turned a corner. You weren't, you weren't even stopping to mention the pain. You just, I think you something switched in your head, and you just you were like, right, let's do this. And you committed and you almost glazed over job at hand, um, focus. Um, yeah, my eyes were pretty much closed the entire time. It was weird. Like I was fully there because I remember the doula saying things to me, like, let's just give this two more contractions in this position and then we'll move. Mm -hmm. And I think she thought that I would forget that she said that, but I remembered and I would be like, oh yeah, this was two. Now we're moving. (laughs) And I was fully there. And even one point she wanted to move me into the bathroom. And I said, well, we need to put something down on the marble floor because that's our, that's our (laughs) most expensive upgrade. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I was fully there, but my eyes were just closed and I wasn't a whole nother world. And 
about two hours after I went from two to six centimeters, the midwife asked me if I wanted her to break my waters. So apparently there are two bags of water, which people don't talk about either. Um, and she said, I did, she didn't have to do that, but she asked me essentially, do you want this to move quicker and be more intense or do you want to have a longer labor? And I mean, I thought about it maybe for a few minutes. She stepped out of the room after she asked me the question and I just knew myself and I knew that I wanted this to be over sooner. Obviously wanted to meet my daughter, Um, but I knew that that would be better for me. But it also meant that after she did it, which I'll talk about in a second, things were going to be more intense and they definitely were. But looking back, it was still, I think it was still the right decision for me. But, you know, I didn't want to have more pain, but I wanted things to be over sooner. What were your thoughts with that decision, James? Yeah, I mean, I think for you, that was the right decision. And you didn't know what it was going to feel like. And so it's one of those things, if it had taken longer and there was less intense pain, but more pain for longer, it's pros and cons. You know, you didn't know. And I think think you intuitively know, you knew yourself that, you know, why wait? Because it's it's exhausting, you know? And so, yeah, and it was she... good you didn't know. I mean, it's like if you'd had a baby before and you knew the process, I wonder whether what it would have been like because you'd know the experience. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, even looking back, I would still have made the same decision. I mean, we'll talk about some of the things we might have changed later on in terms of the location. But for that, you know, it didn't hurt when she broke the water at all. It was just like a rush of of warm liquid. And from there, I know I quickly, I mean, we delivered three hours later, so it definitely sped things up, which uh, I think was the right decision for me. So from there, like we said, the the contractions were super intense. They were literally like on top of each other, Mm -hmm. which is why I was doing horse lips and hyperventilating (laughs) like crazy. And I know at one point the midwife suggested I go lay in the bath because she didn't like that the contractions were literally nonstop. It was just a bit too much. But we got to about 5 p.m. And that's when we started to talk about me pushing. Do you want to up-level every area of your life? Do you want to achieve more success, joy, and abundance? If so, head on over to iheartmylife.com go and check out everything we have going on to support you in creating a life that's better than your dreams. I think the pushing experience is so interesting because I knew that my body would feel like it needed to push, but I just couldn't imagine what the sensation would actually be. And it does kind of feel like you need to go to the bathroom, but it's like this crazy urge. Like you can't not push. Everything in your body is telling you to get this thing out. And that's what I was really surprised about was just like the intensity. And it's it doesn't last like minute by minute. It's like it comes for 30 seconds or something, and then you feel like a release. And then you feel an intense urge to push again, and then a release. And I did that for, I don't know, a few times and was thinking to myself, like, why is this taking so long? <laughs> why isn't this baby coming out? I'm pushing with all my might. But, you know, come to find out some women push for four hours, six hours, even longer. And, you know, that's not the norm either. But I, again, had unrealistic expectations of the speed. <laughs> it's such a metaphor for your life. This, pro- I know. Whole, this whole birth was like high achiever, but but still wanted it to be better. You know, still yeah. wanted it to be faster or better. Didn't want it, it to hurt. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, you know, the typical driven person that would like to understand what patience means. Yeah. <laughs> the patient without patience. 
but yeah but so did, it still didn't make, like i know it was quick but like to see it firsthand it, you know you were incredible i mean you know props to every single woman that's ever existed because you know we're all here because of you um and to go through that even if it was the easiest birth ever like we all need to you know give more respect to all the women on this planet i tell you yeah yeah so jane we were on the bed and james was behind me the whole time and they did keep saying like we're starting to see the head we're starting to see the head and i felt like they were starting to see the head for so long (laughs) but eventually they told me to reach down and touch the top of her head because she was starting to come out and i first because of the hair do you remember this yeah yeah Mm. Yeah, they started to see hair and, you know, I just thought, okay, normal baby hair. But then the midwife told me to touch it and I said I didn't want to. And she's like, no, do it. (laughs) (laughs) And I did. And I felt all the hair. And if you've seen a picture of our daughter, she has an insane amount of hair. If you look at her father right now, if you're watching this on video, you can see why. (laughs) But I touched that and I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And that's my child's head. And it was one or two big pushes after that. And she came out and that was after pushing for only 29 minutes. And I know that you were really surprised at the moment she came out. Yeah, it was. Well, what was interesting is the midwife was saying, we're just going to have a push and that's just going to get the head, just the, the part of the head out. And then there's going to be some more. And so I, you know, I got my camera out. I wanted to just experience the head just coming out. But her head came out and then the rest of her just kind of followed. And so it was, I mean, you know that there's a baby in there, you know that this, you know that it's fully formed baby, but there is nothing like, you know, seeing your child, your daughter come out perfect. And your face was a picture. Your face was like, it was almost, you're almost shocked that there was a baby there. It was like, where'd that come from? (laughs) Yeah, luckily our doula took... The midwife just picked her up, put her on Emily's chest and said, it's your baby, put her in your chest. You know, the first intent, the first thing was get her on Emily's chest. Um, She breathed straight away, opened her eyes almost straight away as well. And then both of us were just kind of not quite sure what was happening, where we were. You especially, because you just like you're exhausted. But you know, the, I think there's a there's actually a really funny photo of what it looks like. I'm just really calm, and Emily's looking at me like <laughs> really confused. But it's yeah, I do remember it, but it feels a bit like a a dream because it was yeah. just you know a lot happening at once. Yeah, luckily our doula had took tons and like hundreds of pictures. She has the whole video of Charlotte coming out. We had set up another camera, which I, I um ended up stopping <laughs> before I pushed. But I remember telling you, like, make sure the camera's on, make sure the oh, camera's yeah, on. Like mid-contraction. And you said, <laughs> Oh, remember to turn the camera on. And we were just giggling <laughs> because we're we're worrying if like you can handle it and what's going on, how are you? And you're thinking about your footage. You know, production duties. (laughs) (laughs) So she came out on my chest and I remember you cried. I just looked like I was completely bewildered that there was a human inside of me. And those Mm -hmm. pictures are hilarious. And we got a few minutes with her. And then I remember the, the midwife kept asking, there were two midwives there actually. She kept asking her assistant, essentially, how many minutes has it been since this baby came out? And what I realized later on is that they thought it was really strange that I wasn't having 
contractions at that moment. And for those of you who haven't given birth or don't know, you have to birth the placenta after you birth the baby and the contractions continue to make sure that that comes out. They're not as, as intense, but they're still there. And I wasn't having any of that. So I had Charlotte on my chest and I was just thinking, okay, well, you know, I'll be pushing this placenta out at some point. Um, but the midwives were monitoring me kind of not knowing why I wasn't having contractions and they have about an hour to get the placenta out. And then they have to make sure to bring him, take you to the hospital essentially. So you don't hemorrhage. And so, um, you know, things could get bad at that point. And so after a few minutes, they were asking me how I was feeling and they started to try and get me to push out the placenta and they started to try and like, you know, yank the cord a little bit and do what they needed to do to externally manipulate. Um, but unfortunately nothing was really happening. And it's really weird because I don't know about you, James, but I didn't know that I could like birth the placenta while holding a baby. And so all this was happening while I had Charlotte in my arms, which was strange. Did you expect that? Neither of us thought it was going to be that big a deal having just birthed an, you know, eight pound, 14 ounce. Oh yeah. We didn't mention that. (laughs) We just didn't think, well, after that, the the next bit is going to be fine. And so we just thought, you know, holding Charlotte, we'll just push out the placenta. It'll be fine. Neither of us thought that anything, you know, that it was going to be a big deal. Um, Yeah. And it took a turn. Yeah. So at that point, um, after, I mean, uh, me trying to push it out, you know, just like I pushed out a baby, they realized it wasn't happening. And so they had to try and go internal and get it out. Now this, like if you're queasy, you might not want to listen to this, but this was the most painful thing of the entire experience. So I literally had a midwife's hands inside of me trying to separate the uterus and the placenta like manually. And I had no drugs. I hope that's been clear this whole time. We have a home birth, so no drugs whatsoever. And that was excruciating. And I remember saying to them, like, I think you were holding Charlotte at this point because they had cut the cord because they realized they needed to do this. And I said, or maybe, no, no, I think actually I was still holding her because this was that one of the pictures where I'm in like extreme pain. I think if I'm remembering correctly, anyway, I remember saying to them, like, please, no, please stop, like literally over and over and over. And they realized I couldn't handle any more. And so they put a pause on that whole experience. Um, What were your thoughts in that moment? Yeah, that was really like hard to experience because you were in such pain and, you know, if anyone else was making my wife feel that way they wouldn't exist for much longer. And so it's very hard for me to sit there holding my daughter in one hand, I'm like, like the happiest man on the planet. And the other hand, you are in excruciating pain. So it was a lot of emotions. And, and I didn't know what to, I felt kind of like useless. I didn't know what to do. You know, the back massage wasn't going to help you <laughs> at this point. And so I didn't know what to do. So it was 100% faith in the team. That's all I yeah. could do is just give faith and trust that they knew what they were doing which I had, but it was just, yeah, it was, it was, that was tough. That was tough to experience. And once they realized that that route couldn't be taken, they started to give me certain types of drugs that try and encourage contractions, try and help this process move forward. But none of that worked. And again, they were just timing everything, taking my temperature. I was like shaking uncontrollably at that point, but that apparently is normal during um, adrenaline. adrenaline. Yeah. And so I remember asking for blankets and Eventually, they decided that I had to go to the hospital. And they had mentioned that a few times. And I was really hoping that wasn't going to be the case, obviously. But I think I was so 
I was just like an acceptance of the situation. And I obviously didn't want the placenta to be stuck inside of me. Um, and at first we thought that you and Charlotte were going to come to the hospital with me, but you know, I kind of, I don't know, sucks to look back on. And we'll talk more about that in a second, but I think I was just an acceptance and the whole situation was just like a dream and kind of overwhelming. So when the, you know, they, they started to call 911, it was just like, okay, this is happening. I don't remember being overly emotional about it is what I'm trying to say. You know, you, we, there was so much going on that I think that you emotionally almost tapped out anyway. Yeah. And it happened very quickly. So they called the ambulance before the ambulance got there Two strapping young firemen walked in <laughs> the bedroom, which was very confusing. I'm stood there <laughs> disheveled and Emily's lying there having just given birth. And these two like six foot five young firemen walk in the door. And I'm like, this is like something out of a weird movie. I don't know what's going on. There's not a fire, but that's, you know, they were nearby for support. And then, um, yeah, and then it was that we made the decision pretty quick. Well, we don't know how busy the hospital's going to be, a newborn baby in a cut. That's just not, we just, we had to make a decision that's best for everyone. We knew that Emily would be taken care of, even though it was very hard not to go with you. It was the best decision. And so my job then was to go and get Charlotte dressed and comfortable while they sort Emily out. And so they got yeah. you on the, on the stretcher. It all seemed to happen. I don't know how it felt for you. It happened very quickly from the moment yeah. they called the ambulance to then you being wheeled out the door. It seemed to happen so quickly. So quick update. The baby woke up. So James is currently feeding Charlotte as we're talking. <laughs> so we'll finish this conversation. So the EMT, the ambulance, all those people came in. I ended up putting me on the stretcher, get taken out to the, the ambulance. And I remember the woman was so lovely. Obviously, I was a brand new mom, literally had the umbilical cord still coming out of me <laughs> as I was in the ambulance. It was bleeding, all the things. And she was so lovely. I remember texting you from the ambulance, texting my mom, um, calling my mom actually, and then ended up at the hospital. And they took me straight up to labor and delivery because the midwife had called ahead of time and told them that I was coming, which was good. So I got taken into a room. And immediately stood up off the stretcher and there was like so much blood and I was freaked out about it. And they assured me that that's normal, which is good. And yeah, just got admitted into the hospital and laid down on the bed. And during that whole time, like you are back at our house with the second midwife, they're doing all the checks with Charlotte. And I think this is one of the most impressive parts of this story because so many men have said they would have had no clue what to do in that moment. So what were you feeling? Well, I remember when they, you know, the ambulance was on its way and we're like, we've made the decision that it's best for Charlotte for her to stay here, right? And so then it's just like, I remember this this overwhelming feeling of, right, okay, I guess that that's happening. And so there's this brand new little girl and, I, you know, I've never babysat a baby before, right? In fact, I remember at a family holiday a few months earlier, Emily made me change my first nappy just to see how I did. Um, <laughs> you did perfectly. I crushed it. I would, I did. But yeah, so I got Charlotte changed and then Emily left and it was me and the other midwife and the other midwife was just doing some checks and things. And so I was just with Charlotte and tried to feed her a little bit of milk. And and then we we were kind of good. I mean, Charlotte was, you know, doing really well and she was comfortable and I was comfortable. And so the, the midwife, so I said, the midwife, you know, we're good. So she went. And the midwife, the other, the main midwife, Sam, who who was with Emily at the time, she said to me, "Look, I'm going to come in and check on you guys at some point in the middle of the night." But the other midwife went, and I'm so it's just me and Charlotte on our own, 
and I had her um, in the darker top, this kind of cozy bed thing in the bed with me. So she was next to me and I was in the bed. We were, you know, doing skin to skin quite a lot of the time. Um, but then she was just in there with me and I was one half of me is like really scared about you because even though logically everyone would tell me it's going to be fine, you don't know that at the time. So I'm like lying here with Charlotte, very, very worrying thoughts going through my mind, but also in love with this little girl. And so it was a lot of emotions. And then I had your mum texting me as well, who she was really worried about you. And yeah, and I obviously didn't sleep. We just laid there together. And I think there was a point where you text me, but that would have been really early in the morning. I can't, I might be getting the, the things the wrong way around, basically saying that you're okay. That was the yeah, best. Yeah, so that was the best text. Yeah. Yeah. What time was that, do you think? Well, I got to the hospital around around 7.30 and they, because of the drugs the midwife had given me to start contractions and release the placenta, the doctor on call was actually able to externally manipulate my placenta, like literally push on my stomach mm-hmm. and get it to release from the uterus. And so that was the first step. And it was able to come out after about, I don't know, 15 minutes of him doing that. So that was good. But when they looked at the placenta, when my midwife looked at the placenta on the table, she realized that it looked like there was a piece missing. And that's the danger is if any part of your placenta gets stuck in your body, then you know that's not a good thing. And so she talked to the on-call doctor about it. And at first he was adamant that that wasn't the case. And he was feeling my stomach and he said, no, you know, this is a fibroid and I've never had fibroids in my life. And so that was a bit weird to us. But anyway, long story short, my midwife insisted that I get an ultrasound to see if there were any placental remains in there. They'd also been doing blood work. They've been doing lots of tests on me. Um, So once I got those results back, they did see that there was something still in the uterus. And they did see that I had a very elevated white blood cell count at that time. Um, they started to administer IVs and then plan for me to get a DNC, which is basically the procedure to clean out everything in the uterus. It's what you would get if you had a late-term miscarriage. And so anyway, that happened around 1 a.m. or so. By the time you know we'd done all the checks and done all the procedures, they'd taken all the blood and everything. And so I got anesthesia. Um, which felt amazing after so many hours of pain. Finally got her drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Finally got my drugs and had the procedure. And then, you know, very quickly was back in the room to rest. And it was such an odd feeling that was at like 2.30 in the morning because I couldn't move my legs because of the anesthesia. I was texting you. I think you were going to be falling asleep, but the midwife was going to come over and and wake you up. (laughs) So it was all very weird. And like, I was trying to sleep, but then they check me every two hours to make sure that I'm not bleeding a ton. And I mean, that's the other thing. Like it was so interesting because we planned to have this home birth, but in some ways I'm grateful that I was in the hospital, that I had to go to the hospital because there was so much blood and I don't know, maybe I could have been better prepared for that. But I think just seeing all the blood, like you said, James, even if someone tells you that it's normal, it's very alarming. And so thinking that we would have been alone at our house and I would have been bleeding that much is kind of scary. So I was grateful that they were checking me because I literally had a softball size blood clot come out in the toilet. And like, I remember seeing that and being 
completely freaked out. And they said, you know, that's a little bit more than we'd like, but it's still normal. Um, And so having them check me and monitor me actually felt really good after such a traumatic sort of last few hours. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because it's, I mean, we always knew that if something was to go a bit wrong, then you go to the hospital. We always knew that that was an option. So it's not as if yeah, we didn't. But I think um, after everything, yeah, you... I also felt, you know, once I knew that you were okay, it was great to know that you were safe because you were in a hospital, right? Yeah. Because if you were suffering and it was just me and you and there's a baby there and we didn't have any, you know, experts with us, it would have been a very different experience, right? Yeah. So when you text me and said probably high as a kite that you're feeling good <laughs> and you were yeah. and you were safe and the you know you were stable you know that's i think after that text that i actually managed to fall asleep and yeah so i think that must have been at like three in the morning or something yeah something like that well i think it was before then because i know that the um, i think i fell asleep and then was woken up by the midwife who we have a, mm. you know she had a could access to our house and so i got woken up which is a very strange experience to be woken up <laughs> And have your little midwife standing above your bed, <laughs> and then your brand new daughter next to you. It was yeah, yeah. It was a very strange experience. But it's weird. <laughs> but she was she was great, and so you know that was really really amazing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, managed to get maybe an hour or two sleep that night. Um. And then yeah, the and then day. in the morning, yeah, the thing that was um disappointing to me is because I had a few doctors tell me I'd most likely have to stay at least to finish all the antibiotics that they were giving me for my white blood cell count to kind of counteract an infection. My white blood cell count was 28,000. It's supposed to be between four and 11,000, but that's not abnormal for number one, the drugs I was given to help with the placenta and number two, for somebody who had just given birth. But at the same time, they were worried about that. And obviously I just had a surgery. Uh, So they told me at least I'd have to at least stay until like 6 or 7 p.m. that day. And then in the morning, one of the doctors told me I'd probably have to spend another night in the hospital. So I was really defeated by that. Uh, But we decided that James would bring Charlotte to the hospital in the morning to for us to be together because I literally had only had like 30 minutes with my daughter, which was really horrible to think about. So James, you got her dressed. You got yes, her in the I car mean, seat. So that that morning, I um I got her dressed in what I th- I think I did pretty well. The yes. prettiest little outfit I could find for her see her <laughs> mum. And it was it was it was very emotional because I thought she you know Emily's worked so hard you know giving birth to her beautiful daughter probably only held her for thirty minutes and then I was holding her. And so I thought, you know, whatever happens, she's going to see her daughter. And you said that the hospital wasn't too busy. And so it was going to be pretty easy for me to just come in. And so I got her all dressed up, got her in the, in the car seat and everything. And then we're driving to the hospital. It was probably like a 35 minute, 35 yeah. minute drive. And I'm looking in the rear view mirror for five minutes, hoping that I put the car seat in properly. <laughs> and then we got there, parked up. Um, and that was that was really special because... Once I found where she was, I remember just opening the door and you was and you I think you were were you sat on the side of the bed or were you in the bed? I know I was in the bed. I'm not sure if I was sitting or laying down, um, but and of course I will in her little daughter and it was very emotional uh because you hadn't seen her. And so we sort of rolled in there and you were so happy to see her and um, picked her up and gave it to you. And it was just it was absolutely amazing. It was so nice. Yeah, it was so special. 
It was also incredible of that time because not only did I then finally get to hold her and spend time with her, but there was a new attending doctor on call and she came in and told me that they were going to send me home. And so that was a really beautiful moment to be able to know that we were going to be able to go home as a family, which we did a few hours later and just kind of put all of that behind us. And when I, I, I try, it was hard for me to be away from her, but I tried to kind of think about it in my mind. And like I said, I was taken care of at the hospital. You took care of Charlotte. You had that bonding time with her. I was really only away from you guys for, I don't know, 12, 15 hours hours or something. Um, And so in the grand scheme of things, it was okay, but it was still, yeah, it was hard to be away. So yeah. It's like anything. It's um, to people that have had many children, it's probably pretty standard, but, and this is the important message for people that haven't had kids yet is that it doesn't matter what anyone else's experience is. If you've not had the experience, then it's going to be an experience for you. And so allow yourself to have that experience, whether it's a long or short you know, whatever it is. And I think this is really important because you get a lot of people in the world that don't think that they can share something that was traumatic for them or hurtful for them when they're growing up because it wasn't as bad as someone else's. Whatever an experience is to you, it's your experience. And it's re- that's really important. So however Emily felt or I felt about this pregnancy, it was that for us. It was that emotional for us. It doesn't matter how it compares to anyone else. I think it's one of the reasons we wanted to share this story, just to say that, you know, that it's uh, it's an incredible experience. And, you know, I'm very proud of my wife and she was a superstar. And this little one did really great as well. (laughs) Um, And it's the most incredible experience you could ever have. And whatever your experience is, it's your experience. And people can share their experience. We share our experience, but your experience will be your experience and it will be you know, it will be what it is for you. Um, And, you know, I think it's really important to share these. I think quite often you hear the horror stories and the bad things, but it's, you know, there are so many different ways things can happen for you. Uh, But ultimately, um, the best things happen out of pretty intense experiences, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something we've learned throughout this whole process is to set your intention of what you want to happen. And of course, be prepared to be unprepared or for the unexpected. And to be in full acceptance of the situation. And I mean, every single birth story I've heard is different. Like there is not one who that is exactly the same to the next. Every person is different. Every baby is different. My baby was bigger than we expected, which was interesting. And, you know, she came on a day that we didn't expect. And it was, you know, what was meant to happen. And we are in full acceptance of it. Yeah. So that's what we wanted to share. And I think the one thing I wanted to mention before we sign off is also just some of the things that I think were positives. Um, I really loved birthing at home. It felt really good. It felt calm. It felt, you know, I was in an environment that I felt comfortable in. It was a beautiful space. I felt like I could do what I wanted to do. And I don't know how you felt, but I, I feel like overall, like that was a really amazing experience. And I can 100% see why people have the drugs because it hurts. And so if there is a next time for us, you know, I'll be completely honest about my opinion. I'm not sure what I'll do. I'm not sure if I'll be in a hospital or not. As much as I love birthing at home, like the pain was, I'd love that to be a bit more manageable next time is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think, well, you you nailed it early when you said this whole time from conception onwards, there's been a lot of intentionality involved in it, right? And 
So that means that whether you go to a hospital, you have a home birth or you do a birth center, you're thinking about it and you're being intentional. And I think that will remain, you know, if there's a next time, because it's just really considering properly what do you want to experience? Because a lot of people might just go with what they think they should do, but really put thought into it. What do you want to experience and why? And like Emmy said, there's a lot of environmental benefits to being at home and there's some compromises there. And so we will always, I think it's kind of the way we live our life, Emily, is we'll always be intentional with the choices that we make. It's never just random. It's just like, let's really put some thought into what experience we want. And I think you did. Yeah. And if anyone knows how to get an anesthesiologist to come to your house for a home birth, you can let me know because (laughs) I would be available for that. Um, another thing I'll say is I actually really loved how we included our family in this process. So we set up a family text. And I remember early in the morning, uh, February 5th, the day she was born, we sent out a text basically saying, surprise, we're in labor because no one expected that. Everyone thought I was going to be late. And it ended up being, it was your dad's birthday. So that was really yeah. special. And you just kept them posted throughout the whole process. And I just remember feeling really supported, especially when I was in the hospital getting so many messages, hearing from so many friends. Yeah, it just felt really exciting to be able to share that, not just you know with each other, but with our family who obviously lives, they live out of the state and out of the country. So yeah, I just wanted to mention that because that was really sweet. Yeah, that was nice. It, isn't, it was really nice. Well, that little one's doing so well. What'd you say? Well, she wants some more food, but seeing as okay. she's on camera and Emily insisted she had a bow on, you may as well say hi. But she wants, does want to have some more food. Oh, she is. <laughs> She's upset. <laughs> the main character of the story that you've just heard. Six weeks and one day old. <laughs> oh, in her sleep sack. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, oh, perfect little bird for the podcast. <laughs> awesome. Which, as parents, we know is a wonderful thing. Yeah. It's a good book. But yeah, she's doing very well. And so when we recorded this podcast, so um, two days ago, this little one at six weeks old did seven hours and 44 minutes overnight sleep. So we're very proud of her. She's done very well. Yes. She's doing awesome. So before she cries, I'm going to go and get her some more. Yep. I think we're good. Well, thanks to everyone for listening. And if you have any questions, let us know. And just as a, a quick aside, I'm sure we'll do a part two of this because I have experienced some interesting postpartum symptoms, ailments, unexpected stuff from that surgery that I went through to remove my placenta. I know, James, you are a really big proponent of let's talk more about this because people don't talk enough about it. Men don't know how to support their wives. People don't know how to support their partners. So I think we should do a part two. Definitely do a part two um, in service of everyone because there's some experiences that people don't talk about afterwards. And so, you know, we want to share in support of all those amazing mothers out there and all those amazing fathers. So time to get this one some food. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the I Heart My Life show. Now do us a favor and tell people about this episode. It's truly our duty to make sure that the I Heart My Life movement is spread far and wide. The truth is life can be challenging, but it is possible for all women to love themselves and their lives. And while you're at it, send a link to this episode to three of your friends today, or maybe even post it on social media. Use the hashtag I Heart My Life show. That's hashtag I Hurt My Life Show. 
And if you'd like to help me personally, then please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us some stars, cheer us on, and leave a review because believe it or not, that stuff actually really does help. And I read all of them. Please remember everything you desire is meant for you and possible. Keep showing up, taking action, and believing in your dreams.